Okay. Okay. Let's go. Uh, okay. So uh, here's our third podcast. We have Brother Angelus joining us uh, from St. Benedict's Abbey here. We're going to have Brother Levin joining us pretty soon, I believe, uh, to talk about the second, the first four chapters of the second book. So uh, Brother Angelus, to catch you up to speed here in our podcasting, we have done podcasts for, uh, we did book one up through, we had one podcast, book one up through chapter four. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I've been, uh, been an eager listener. Yeah, brother's been listening. Oh, that's right. That's right. So you don't need to be caught up, right? You know. And then we, uh, yeah, then, then we figured we could not leave the elders chapter off, so we did our own podcast just on the elders chapter. Um, and uh, yeah, now we're moving into uh, the next four chapters, which are uh, in book two here as they arrive at the monastery. And uh, we're very, very happy to have people living in a monastery talking to us yeah. about the arrival at the monastery and what's going on here. So, mm-hmm. so uh, this is uh, this this is exciting. Unfortunately, we have to do this over Zoom right now, but uh, hopefully, in the future, we'll be um, we'll be meeting together um, to have these. We'll so. we'll, we'll uh, arrive. At the monastery, hopefully. <laughs> That's right. Which character will you be? I, uh, I'll, 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 I'll play the buffoon. <laughs> uh, but it won't be playing, will it? <laughs> <laughs> so this is very informal, Brother Angels. You've heard, you've heard our podcast. We just yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. chit chat. Yeah, this, so. this is great. Anything um, interesting that, that that happened that uh, that you want to bring out? Uh, just jump right to it. Well, um, so, one, I guess for for me, one question, I, it comes up a little bit later, uh, but this should kind of be on the back of everyone's mind at this point. Oh, how did this get arranged? Uh, how is it that everyone got invited to go to the monastery to meet with Zosima? Mm-hmm. Where did this come from? And what were the real reasons behind this invitation and behind this meeting? Um, I think is, I mean, you have... You have on the surface the, the 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 purpose of this meeting, but as as you see from you know the second page or the third page of of book two, that purpose had no chances of being successful. Uh, I mean, it was pretty clear that this was this was a um, you know dead before it even left the. Uh, well, what what they, the they do say. They do say what the purpose is. is it, does it have to do with Dimitri's? Yeah, to like, try to resolve the, the financial dispute between Fyodor and um, Dimitri. But it just, I'm trying to remember, does Dimitri call the meeting? Um, n- I don't, well, no. Um, it, it, in some ways, it is, um, it's Fyodor, which is the one that is kind of, officially behind this, but what what comes up a little bit later, uh, end of book two, I believe, um, so it was not quite there yet, but it, it so I'll spill the beans. Um, you get a little indication that it was actually Ivan that um, wanted Theodore to meet here. Okay, well, so page 51 in the Elders chapter, um, about halfway down there, uh, he's, they're talking about this meeting. Uh, it was it was at this time the meeting, or rather gathering of the members of the inharmonious family took place in the cell of the elder, who had such an extraordinary influence on Alyosha. Um, the pretext for this gathering was a false one. So I, he kind of says it right off mm-hmm. the bat there. 
It was at this time that the discord between Dmitri and his father seemed at its acutest stage, and the relations had become insufferably strained. Fyodor Pavlovich seemed to have been the first to suggest, apparently a joke, that they should all meet in yeah. Father Zosima's cell, and that without appealing uh, to his direct intervention, they might more decently come to an understanding under the conciliate, conciliating influence of the elder's presence. So it seems like uh, Dmitri and his father are at their worst now in this fight about uh, the basically the inheritance. Uh, and uh, the father, Fyodor, is the one who suggests meeting in front of Father Zosima, not to even ask him like his advice on this, but just because his presence will be some sort of a, um, I guess, sort of a peace-inducing influence on on the members as they talk about this this uh, sort of stressful stressful situation here. Um, but I I, I, I I circled that apparently so, in joke, can, and I'm so, wondering about. This. So I don't I don't want to. I'm just going to jump ahead to something that we're not, it's actually the next part, but it, it, it I think it, it kind of might frame some things. So okay. I don't know if this is cheating or not. So this is on page 96. Um, uh, I won't, I won't give too much of what's going on here. Um, after it's at the very bottom of page 96. And can, can you give um, sub chapters for me? Oh yeah, sure. Sure. Sorry. This is the, this is like the last few sentences of Book two. The scandalous right, scene. Right before Chapter book eight. three. Um, yeah. it's, I mean, in some ways, it's one of the last things that is said in, in the book. Uh, book two, that is. Um, after a pause, a few minutes, looking askance at his son, why, it was you got up all this monastery business. You urged it. You approved of it. Why are you angry now? Uh, and he's speaking to Ivan. Uh, and, and so this is Fyodor speaking saying, you're the one that was kind of all behind this. Why are you so upset now about, about this? Um, so I, I think there's something, um, something interesting uh, going on in regards to what role does Yvonne play here? Uh, I mean, early on in, in what we read, uh, I, don't, I forget which, which sub section um it, it made reference to Ivan being able to control his father uh and basically keep him from being a buffoon but he's not doing it and Alyosha's kind of annoyed with Ivan for not controlling his father no, his, his father's a disaster his father's just, just like completely unhinged once the clock strikes the start it's like a you know beginning of a boxing match and he just comes out being an utter idiot yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And and Ivan's just watching it all, kind of, you know, as if he has nothing to do with this. But all along, you know, Alyosha knows that he could stop this if he wanted to. So obviously, he doesn't um, want to for some reason. Yeah, right, okay. right. Okay. So so I think I think there's there's something um, like what what are the purposes of this meeting? And if it's to settle financial matters, um, it it seems like nonsense it seems like this is this is one of the worst designs worst plans you could ever come up with 
try to use Zosima to settle financial matters. Uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, he's probably worse than Yosha when it comes to money, right? Yeah. The great, so, the great quotes we had from the last podcast about uh, yeah, uh, no, the two podcasts ago about Yosha and money and yeah, not not you could either blow it or give it to some rogue. Yeah, right, right. Or just would sit around and he would know what to do with it. Right. <laughs> probably Zosima's yeah. like that times ten. Right. So anyway, I I think it's just worth keeping in in uh, the back of your mind what is the purpose of this. Um, because it doesn't really seem like they accomplish anything and it actually makes it even worse. The situation seems to, to just escalate in, in a negative way because of this meeting. Now don't get too far past chapter four though. No, I know, I know, I know but, but you come in. <laughs> by the, end, not too far by the end of chapter four, you recognize that it's getting worse. Yeah. And Dimitri's not even there. Yeah. So, yeah. He hasn't even shown so, up. Right. Yeah. And, and there's this huge pause, right? Where, where, where Zosima goes out to talk to the pilgrim. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's I think that's the, the purpose of the meeting. Sometimes gets lost because of the circus that's that's happening. Yeah. I, I it's in chapter six, so I won't say too much. But I think there's there's signs later when Ivan and Zasimov have that exchange about his article right. that he I think he has a sort of he there's an almost genuine curiosity for all of them about Zosimov. I mean, they kind of, you know, do this formalistic thing or ridicule them in their way. But, but on the other hand, each of the characters actually shows that, that, that there's something arresting about Zosimov's presence. Um, so, so I wonder if Ivan even just wants to meet him. Mm -hmm. um, because the other thing too is, is, you know, the word that keeps coming up with Karamazovs is they're sensualists. Mm -hmm. Right. So like there, there's something very instinctual about all of the Karamazovs. Um, so, so even if, even if like uh, the, 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 the occasion of the meeting is sort of a prank or something um, and even maybe Yvonne has some other purposes, but still I think it's almost something instinctual. Like, let's just see what happens. Um, so. so they have like an instinct to, 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 to sort of, um, they're like attracted to Zosima and sort of this, the monastic life or that they're instinctual in the sense that they just act on their whims? Pro, I think, I think both. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, I think cl cl clearly the latter, but, um, but I think, but, but each of the, now let me, I'm going to try to keep within, because I think I'm spilling into the second half, the second half of the book too, but, I think each of them have a moment where they really are um, struck by, by Zosimov. So both, both the father, I'm thinking the father, I think all three of them, and Alyosha too, because he, he's sort of in awe of like the fact that he's just, it, the, the, he's not disturbed by any of this, that Zosimov is, is not. So I think there's something very attractive about Zosimov beyond his financial <laughs> abilities. Yeah. Um, or, or inability. And this actually, and this brings up something I kind of wanted to, um, I don't know if this is anathema, but touch on something you said in the last um, podcast. Nothing is anathema. Yeah, no, 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 is anathema. <laughs> That's right. Everything is permitted now. <laughs> you know, once, once, once God is gone. So, um, uh, which is a sort of the, the question of realism in Alyosha. 
Yeah. And whether whether it is an ideologue or not. And I think the the evidence for I would say that that he's not is his relationship with Zosima. Mm-hmm. Um, because, or, or I get, I would frame it this way. I think the, the way the way the book sets it up, and you guys framed it, was really useful. It's like basically, what's the difference between Christianity and socialism? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, and I think it's the difference between an ideal and a dream. Right, so 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 socialism is is this. There's this dream. I, I want this sort of unity of mankind and 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 the, the great Russian sort of idea, and then and then I then have to seize the means to make that happen. So it's always this deferred, far off thing. Um, but and then you know then we, then we scheme and 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 whatnot. Um, but the ideal I think you see in Alyosha is and sort of you know the whole Christian proposal is that like there's something present right now, which 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 awakens and meets these deep desires of the heart. So I, I found like the whole description of Alyosha is like well there's immortality so I'll give my whole life to it. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like very much a realist position. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the, uh, the way I, 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 the way I was thinking of it was that Alyosha um, has a dream uh, similar to the socialist dream. Um, I mean, he doesn't think it's the socialist dream, uh, but in some sense, without fully recognizing it. He has something kind of more than the dream, more real than the dream, and that's that's Zosima. And so he kind of right. sees in Zosima this reality that he thinks corresponds to this dream, not realizing that what really matters is the the the, the imminence, the, the 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 presence of Zosima and and like the the reality of Christianity. And he right. kind I, of I, doesn't fully understand what he's got, if you want to put it that way. Um, and so yeah. he kind of thinks Zosima is this guy that's incredible, cling to him, live with him. Mm-hmm. But yet he kind of is unclear about whether that's for the sake of being able to realize this dream, which will one day happen. Um, and and I, so the way I was thinking of it is that, that he's, he's kind of torn, not quite understanding how he's torn. He, he, he has this, I want something more than Zosima and Zosima is going to kind of bring it about. But I also know that Zosima is the, 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 the fullness of, of why I'm a Christian, why, or why I, I don't turn to socialism. Um, I, I, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, and I, and I, I, I think that the kind of the way his character develops is a realizing that we don't live for a dream. We live for reality. And that's that's fully present to us, uh, and so he kind of gives up the socialist. I don't know if you want to call it the socialist Christian, uh, you know, ideology or the, the the you know the idea of you know worldly brotherly love coming all about and throughout some sort of you know Christian um, means. Uh, I, I think he kind of gives that up for a much more incarnational, real version of Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so, but I think you're totally right that it's, what's, what makes him different is that he has Zosima, which is like the, 
sort of the anchor to um, to, to his dream, uh, and that's what makes it not entirely um, an ideology. But I, I think he's kind of he's still thinking along those those um, concepts along that. that um, I don't know if that makes sense. So, so in a sense, Zosima maybe is a uh, re a concrete redemption of him from sort of a uh, a dream esque way of understanding the fulfillment of Christianity. Yeah, like he living with him and seeing him it, and being with him is it is itself sort of the no. This is what Christianity is. Yeah, it's kind of like he knows Zosima's like the. the culmination of the Christian life, but he doesn't quite understand how or why or to what purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, and, and so I, I, the way I was thinking of it initially, it, it was the culmination because he's pushing towards this, this other goal, which is, which, you know, isn't fully given to him. Um, and then it's speaking only... of culminations, Brother Levin has has entered the room. Oh, <laughs> okay. sweet! So we should probably wrap this up. That's <laughs> <laughs> a great conversation, guys. Thank you so much, <laughs> Brother Levin. How are you? It's good to see you, brother. I'm doing well. How are you guys? Great. Great. <laughs> Great. Well, so, if you want to, we can so, dive into the arrival yeah. at the monastery here. Um, All right. Jonathan Francois sent us an email um, asking if we could talk about what happens right as um, Zosima kind of comes out, um, which is this, this ritualistic bowing that happens on page 40. There's another um, bow that I think he might be referencing. That happens later. Later, but, oh, okay. but, but this is, but I think they're tied up. But okay, so go ahead. okay. Go ahead. Um, uh, so I don't know if, uh, if you guys are interested in talking about that. Um, what chapter is it? This is chapter two, yep. uh, the old buffoon. Uh, my page forty here. It's it's the um, like the second paragraph or so, like first. Oh yeah, paragraph. yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me yeah. read a little bit of this, and then maybe maybe we can talk about it. Okay, so this is uh, actually it's at the top, right, right at that first yeah. full paragraph, right. Um, Va Father Zosima was accompanied by a novice and by Alyosha. The two monks rose and greeted him with a deep, very deep bow touching the ground with their fingers, then kissed, their hand, then kissed his hand. Blessing them, the elder replied with as deep a reverence to them and asked their blessing. The whole ceremony was performed very seriously and with an, apparent, an appearance of feeling, not like an everyday rite. But Muisaf, however you pronounce that, fancied that it was all done with intentional impressiveness. He stood in front of the other visitors, he ought, he had reflected upon it the evening before, from simple politeness, since it was the custom here to have gone up to reverence the elder's blessing, even if he did not kiss his hand. But when he saw all this bowing and kissing on the part of the monks, he instantly changed his mind. With dignified gravity, he made a rather deep, conventional bow and moved away to a chair. Fyodor Pavlovich did the same, mimicking Miosov like an ape. Ivan bowed with great dignity and courtesy, but he too kept his hands at his sides, while Kalganov was so confused, he did not bow at all. <laughs> and then this next sentence I, was, I wanted to ask about, too. The elder let fall the hand raised to bless them, and bowing to them again, asked them all to sit down. The blood rushed Alyosha's cheeks. He was ashamed. His forebodings were coming true. 
So this, this, this very sort of ritualistic thing that's happening with the monks pisses off his, his uncle slash cousin or whatever, however the relation is, um, because he had said before in the chapter before that, two pages before, he says, the devil take them, talking about the monks, an outer show elaborated through centuries and nothing but charlatanism and nonsense underneath. And, and I have a feeling that that, that thought comes to, comes to the fore as he watches this sort of ritualistic, yeah. sort of honoring of the other and, that's happening. And his whole, Musal's whole point of attending this, I mean, it was to sort of settle fishing rights stuff and what have you that's for right. the land. But he's more interested in just seeing what's going on at the monastery, just sort of observing, he's just out of like intrigue to yeah. like see. And, and what you get right off the bat is he, he can only see in the monastery his way of living so that everything he sees there just, yeah. just seems like show. It's just yeah. all fake, right? It, all, all there is is the world of business or the world of, you know, whatever. whatever. And so when he gets there, um, everything that happens, he has to interpret as empty because when you live an empty life, you kind of are only going to like see that. So yeah, I was thinking that exact same thing. Yeah. I was thinking that exact same thing that he can only see that that a human would act as he acts yeah and therefore seeing something like this he can't open himself up to the to the sort of possibility of another way of seeing the world right instead it's all show yeah it's yeah i think you get in this this one moment kind of one a, a microcosm of one of the big questions of the book with the church is is it just a formalistic thing that's really just about power and money and influence or is there something real mm-hmm. and so in this moment like is this just a is this just formalism an empty ritual or is there or is it a real gesture that that, that has reality and has meaning for each of the people doing it even though uh, they do it all maybe they do it all the time because of the monastery um, I think it's really interesting because you really get like the whole book right here they I, I remember uh, last semester or something, there's a there's a priest who comes to BC who does his by ritual. He's he's, he's Roman, right, and Byzantine, Eastern Catholic, right, I think. Anyways, so he celebrated the divine liturgy here and invited the students to come, and I came too, and and um, kind of in the homily explained some of the things and one of the, and had a kind of Q and A at the end too. And one of the students I think asked, "What's what's with the bow? Because it, it's in the divine liturgy." the bow that touches the ground. What's the significance of that? And it's, it's, it's because God became man, right? It's because the earth is, is now like sacred because Christ walked on it. Um, so like you already brought up this whole like question of incarnational Christianity, which is, you know, the only Christianity, but um, it's right here in that bow, everybody else, and they do it with great feeling because like, this is the reality they're living is that God became man and dwelt among us so that we might become God. And, um, but everybody else, you're right. It's like the cipher. Everybody else responds in, in what they want to sort of make, make the meaning out of mm-hmm. whether, you know, whatever, whatever it is bow don't you bow conventionally or with your hands at your or not at all. Um, so I think it's this fundamental difference right right away of do do is is there meaning in the world 
precisely because God is the creator and revealed and came among us and we respond to that? Or do I have to sort of play this game of formalistic, you know, ritual to kind of, you know, get my fishing rights or, or whatever it is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one of the, so one of the themes that Jeremy and I thought this book was about, um, uh, it's, we were, we were thinking it's a book about beauty. Uh, and the, the, I think it was in the first conversation we had, um, it's in the, um, the idiot where mm -hmm. the, 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 the character says, um, beauty will save the world. And I, I think it's a very important theme for Dostoevsky, which is, can you find in the appearance of something that is in the, in the sort of the cert, what, what people would just say the surface, something more than it, right? So when you, when you look at something, does it show more than itself? Um, and I think what, what you have uh, going on is that you're only going to see the bow as conveying something more than just a meaningless routine gesture if you have the eyes of being able to see beauty right um and so beauty understood not as like prettiness but as um kind of the, the way it's sometimes put is like you know being able to see um an icon for an icon a a, a, a an image of something more than than itself mm -hmm. um and i think that what you have here is the 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 bow was had the appearance not of of uh um an everyday right it had you know seemingly deep um uh, meaning to it but then you have the same guy viewing it as the exact opposite um i think it's just kind of the way in which these two different people see things which is one person sees it as a beautiful act uh and the other just fails to see it um for what it for for, for that worse sees it as as, as a empty show yeah, yeah. right attempting to look like something that it's not yeah yeah I, I think i think that's actually a really uh important thing as i read this i read uh, the brothers cave uh, 13 years ago in the novitiate and this is my next time picking it up yeah and i remember at the time having the same impression of the scenes on um with father zosima and the peasants um i don't read the peasants as necessarily presenting to the reader, rendered for the reader as having some peak form of of of, of spiritual union with God. I think there's they're 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 uh, rendered to show a little bit of superstition, a little bit of um, just a, a degradation of religion that Father Zosima's wisdom is contrasts with, and he's very patient and he's and he's you know prompting them back. To, to the right way, but his his advice to both um, Fyodor and then to uh, Madame Holokov is the same: don't lie to yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think this idea of the like a triumphalism of of, of show, yeah, as an ultimate form of lying to yourself, I think is is kind of put put forward too, not to undermine a true notion of of, of, of true religion, but to, to let like Father Zosima shines clearly because he's set in, 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 in place with these people who, you know, incline towards superstition. They're, they're not fake, but they incline towards superstition. Mm -hmm. But his, his, his sound wisdom, his earthiness, uh, 
his reverencing, his true reverencing of others in the bow even, um, uh, uh, looks more clear with the contrast. Uh, the true religion is more clear in him in that way. Yeah, and I think, um, but I think there's something, there's something um, admirable um, in the peasants' simplicity, or maybe even superstition. Uh, they're, they're, that um, they realize that there is something, um, there's something more uh, to um, to the faith than simply um, a show, like a, a just years of underdo, undergoing the same activity just because that's just what we do. And, and Yusuf sort of knows he needs to pay respect to Zosima and he gets really pissed at um, Fyodor for not doing that. But why does he pay respect to him? And it's just simply because that's what you do to elders. There's no real reason why he re should respect this old guy. Um, he doesn't really feel it. And that's why you kind of oddly, it's kind of a, a break of like the narrator. It's odd. You get the narrator's kind of this third person, but at the same time, you get the thoughts of Musov, which is kind of this weird thing going on. But um, um, but with Musov, you, you realize that he um, wants to respect Zosima, but he has really no reason for doing so. Where the peasants, I think they, in their just utter simplicity and even sort of their superstition, they, they are um, faithful. It's just they're not quite sure um, how to uh, bring that to fruition. I don't know, I don't know how to... How to um, put it, but I, I get the impression that they're not—they're um, not approaching the faith as as um, this this lofty idea. Um, I mean, they're all suffering, or at least most of them are suffering, um, and so they're approaching it um, sort of like with with earnestness, mm -hmm. um, where the others, I, I think, don't don't think about the faith. Um, and, and yeah, and, and so what I have in mind, where I, I think they're rendered in a way that is that you're you're not to like, you're not merely to praise these people and say this is the way to salvation. Is for me, it's on page fifty-two, but that would be the uh, second, third, fourth, fifth full paragraph of chapter three. The the narrator who presents a more or less reliable reporting tone mm -hmm. talks about essentially like a placebo effect for healings. Mm -hmm. So the women think they're being healed by the sacraments, but what it is is um, aroused by the expectation of miracle, uh, the implicit belief that it would, that it will come to pass. It does come to pass. Mm -hmm. So there's a psychosomatic response and it's not, he doesn't say it in such a way where it undercuts the importance or the value of the faith. It works alongside it. Yeah. Um, but what it does is it, is, it, is it does impact how we, how we receive the peasants um, following the narrator. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm running along the same, same trail as you're talking about Andy. Cause I do, I do, I, I think that they look a lot better than you saw certainly Fyodor. Yeah. Yep. Or, or stultified by their behavior. The peasants are not stultified by the narrator. Yeah. And, and they're, they're, um, 
they're coming to Zosima to um, receive something. They know he has, has, quote unquote, has something that they want to receive, and they're completely open to that. And that's kind of what their faith consists in, is this openness to receive whatever wisdom he has to impart, where that's not at all really, I mean, that's the, the pretext for their, the Theodore and Dimitri, they're meeting there presumably to receive this wisdom from Zosima, but that's not at all why they're, why they're going there. Whereas the peasants really do have this, I mean, they're, they're all, they all change their lives because of Zosima, right? They've, they've all, whether it's small or, or large, they all leave greatly changed because of him. Um, so I, th- their faith might be in their openness um, to change. Um, yeah, I think I think there's something about their, you know, all of the most of these people that come to him, they all come from really far away, like hundreds of miles to see Father Zosima, and and then you have you know, the Karamazov family that's, you know, walking across the lawn to go see him as a joke. Right. And, and there's, there's, there's this great contrast. So I, I think, you know, there is something, something that they see that these peasants see, whether they're, whether they're, they're, they're seeing it totally correctly or not, but there's something that they see in Father Zosima that's, that's hugely contrasted <laughs> with what the Karamazovs yeah. are doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Besides Alyosha, of course. Right. Yeah. And it's the, it's the, the abrupt change. It's like right in the middle of, Theodore being the complete buffoon and Zosima just stands up and, and, and leaves. So you, you're, you get a very clear contrast being made between why these people came and why these other people came. So why, here's a question. Why does he leave in the middle of the conversation? I mean, the conversation's ridiculous, right? And, uh, but I don't think Zosima would be offended and like, I, I can't stand for this. I, I was wondering, is it like a sort of a monastery bell thing? Like, okay, I have to go talk to the peasants. I always do it this time. And, and you just have to hold off for now. Or was it an attempt to get them to sort of, I guess, overcome themselves? Um, not because he felt disrespected, but for their, for their own sake of living like a, a true life in the midst of a true, a, a true conversation that they're supposed to be having here. Like, is it, is it in a sense a pedagogical thing that he gets up and leaves? Or is it like a sort of a, an obligation thing to his peasants? Or what, uh, what do you guys think about this kind of abrupt stand up? I got to go talk to the peasants. Yeah, I think it might be both. I mean, he's, um, there's kind of the, just a literal level that they've been waiting for a while and, and he probably wants to come come see them and maybe, maybe there's something regular to it. And they were there um, before the, uh, the, right. the guys came, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I think, yeah, I mean, the, the pedagogical aspect, he's responded to uh, Fyodor at this point, right? He's sort of given him a word, like, you know what you have to do. To don't give yourself to drunkenness and continence of speech, et cetera. You know, and it's obvious at this point that they're performing for him. So I think there is an aspect of, okay, he's spoken into the situation. He's, he's held it and then he gives them space um, to like look at themselves without, without an audience, so to speak. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe his legs are tired. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they were bent, I think they said. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll also point out the, I mean, Musov's insult, you defile everything you touch. Yeah. Um, that might be the peak of his acrimony. Um, and maybe there's a charity there uh, by him getting up, him realizing that he's the object of attention, Zosima. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're talking to each other, but they're, it's like performing in front of someone, right? And he's the audience. Mm -hmm. And so it might have been a moment of him saying, okay, this is about enough. I'll get up and bless. I, I, I need to bless the peasants anyways. Mm -hmm. So I'll go do it. Then I'll come back and we can re reset. Because it's the very next, the very next sentence uh, after you defile everything you touch. The elder suddenly rose from his seat. Oh yeah. Right. So it's, it's the very next thing that happens. Yeah. I, I think I, I would be interested to, to go into what you were talking about, brother Levin, this idea and, and Jager, you were bringing it up too, about knowing yourself where he starts when he talks, when he, when he speaks his word, as you were saying, brother Angelus about the drunkenness and continence of speech, love of money, sensual lust. Um, above all, he says, this is page 45 here. Uh, this is the old buffoon um, chapter near near the end. Yeah, a couple, I don't know, maybe a, a page and a half before the end. Of he says, uh, above all, don't lie. He says, you mean about Diderot? No, not about Diderot. <laughs> above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to such a pass that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him, which is kind of going back to this idea of the bowing, right? Um, and, and Musov's sort of reaction to it. And so loses all respect for himself and for others. And having no respect, he ceases to love. And in order to occupy and distract himself without love, he gives way to passions and coarse pleasures, sinks to bestiality and his vices, all from continual lying to other men and to himself. So there's this link that he has with lying to yourself and not loving, um, which, which of course for Zosima, you know, is, is going to be the heart of, of what it means to, to live in this world is to love right and so the, the fact that you don't love and that the cause of that is lying to yourself means that you have to be true to yourself and i think lying to yourself um gives you a a, a false a false view um or puts you in a situation where you're going to view reality incorrectly or falsely so that you 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 can't actually come to know something if you don't first know yourself. And so if you lie to yourself, then of course you're going to be set up to now read into um, what's happening in, before you in a false way. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, this I think ties up with what we were talking about earlier with the, um, the bow and viewing something as beauty and, and sort of coming to know the truth is going to require a truthfulness in yourself and therefore an openness to what's what's before you and I, I think it's all he's tying together the do not lie to yourself with those performative um theses that that occurred earlier on with with all the bowing and, and what have you i think i think um it's it's a it's a tying together of maybe beauty and truth uh um this also seems to be the root of monasticism, and then and then and then further than that, specifically the elder tradition. If you go back to page twenty-seven on the chapter on the elders, um, where he's talking about you know this elder tradition and what happened, uh, and I brought this up 
uh, last podcast, it, it says um, that uh, the point of the elder, right, is to, after a life of obedience to attain perfect freedom, that is from self, to escape a lot of those who have lived their whole life without finding their true selves in themselves. And I wonder if this idea of the true self isn't linked with this lying to yourself and that the whole point of monasticism um, and, and the elder sort of uh, submission to the elder is ultimately being true to yourself or, right. or not lying to yourself that leads to love, right? Um, yeah. Go ahead, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll just link up what you're saying there, Jeremy, with um, the description of the elder. And I, I don't have the page exactly, um, the paragraph, but it was this kind of hyperbolic description of obedience, mm -hmm. of this revelation of self to the elder. And then, like, you have to be so obedient that not even, you know, ecclesial superiors far above the, the, the elder can, can dispense you from it, that a coffin will fly out of a church if you've been on disobedience. Um, and yeah, the, 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 you know, and, and, and again, there's on that, on that one, he says, this of course is only an old legend. And so again, you have this, I don't know, like this um, flattening of uh, the, the grandiose aspects of um, and superstitious aspects of religious mirac miracles. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, not, 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 and I don't think he does that to, to pull away their, their value and their meaning. Um, and there is praise of miracles. There is a realism about miracles that he mentions, but, um, uh, the idea that the elder becomes a true guide for you, um, so that you don't lie to yourself, I think is, 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 is the point. Um, the centrality of the elder position, in other words, is to help Help you not help you not do this lying, um, this falseness toward yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that. So uh, I read. I taught this book. Um, actually, Jeremy read it as well. Um, Father Norris Clark's um, "Person and Being," where he he talks about um, to um, being as, as re relational or being as relation, and so to to to. Um, think about what a person is, is this relational um, being. And so that one's existence um, is sort of tied up with another. And therefore, the, the understanding of what one is is also tied up with, with the other. So you sort of have to go out of yourself in order to fully understand yourself. So you have to, um, you know, the, the father only understands himself you know, in, in the sun. Um, and I, I think, um, the, the idea of lying to oneself is also tied up with the inability to love in that, that passage there. And I, I think what, what love is, how it's characterized here is this sort of giving of oneself to another. And it's only in that, that you're actually going to truly understand who you are, what you are. Um, and, and it looks like those that don't love, of course, are going to lie to themselves because um, they're not going to uh, have any, any ability to um, know themselves because they don't love. Uh, so it seems that love is tied up with 
not lying to yourself. And I, I'm sure, I don't know scripture well enough, but I'm sure you could, what must I do to gain eternal life? <laughs> Tie that up with the, the great commandment of love. I'm sure there's, there's something that, that can be done there mm -hmm. exegetically or what have you. But um, it, it seems that love is the, the, the means by which you come to know yourself. Um, yeah, and also yeah, just to, to sorry, yeah, just to um, relate to you, you talked about being in, as as a as a relation. The when he sums up his discussion of an elder, what is an elder? An elder was one who took your soul, your will into his own soul and in his will. Mm -hmm. um, so this this union of relation that that you talked about it fits in perfectly with that. Yeah, yeah, um, and I I think that also comes up later on with um the the, the pe some of the peasant women uh the one who left her husband because her was it her fourth child mm -hmm. fourth son died um and how i thought that was this one was was incredibly moving the uh um she she can't forget him this this this, this the child um that is but at the same time she kind of wants to forget him it seems because if she could forget him she wouldn't suffer anymore uh and and i i think there's there's this um this revelation that zosimo sort of imparts on her that um it's not for you to um forget him and therefore it's not for you to to not suffer that's part of what that's part of what can make this suffering itself joyful is that you don't forget him uh because in some ways you're you're tied to him and he's tied to you uh, and likewise, oh, don't forget, you're also tied to your husband who you just left. And this is going to like destroy the relationship you have with your son who's in heaven now because of the, the breakdown of the relation you have with his father. Yada, yada. And so I, I, think, I think he's trying to bring back um, or maybe try to, to read, which is just to say this is just what love is. I mean. But it's, 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 love is an epistemology here. Yeah, right? yeah, no, I think that's right. Her question is, like, where, basically, what is the meaning of my son? Right, what is, what is, what world do I live in where he's gone? It's meaningless, it's nothing. Um, and, and what's so great is, 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 Zosimov tells him sort of the, the tale of the, the, the saint saying to the mother, you know, don't, don't weep. Um, your little one is before the throne of God. Rejoice. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she sighs and she, and she said, my, my husband said the same words. Um, uh, but, you know, but I can't, basically I can't help but, but weep. And she shows him the sash. And, and then I, I was so moved. He, it's Rachel of old, said the elder, weeping for her children and will not be comforted because they are not. Such is the lot set on earth for you mothers. Be not comforted. Consolation is not what you need. So that's such an interesting line. What is it that she needs if it's not, if it's not consolation, right? She needs to like still participate in the life of her son. Yeah. And it's, okay. and it's that I think because it goes on and he says uh, it's that it's those tears, the tears of love that you have for your son, which, sort of reveal a loss, but also a longing up for a reality. I mean, it's exactly. not like utter despair, um, but so, so that there's, there's something 
it's a loss of something that's still real, still alive. Um, exactly. No, it's it's the same. It's the same thing you brought up with 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 beauty. Is that these he helps her see that your tears are a sign of something yeah. more. Yeah, and they're and not just desperation. They're not just. They're not only bitterness. They're a desire for his life. Yeah, yeah, and it's that which, as he says, is going to purify the heart uh, and deliver it from sin. Um, so, so in some ways, it's it's those tears, not a consolation, which will render um, her life um, perfect. And and I guess you know it's an interesting thing. Like what what do you think of what would a consolation be? It would be like a there, there, don't feel bad, your your kids in heaven. You know, and is it that's like the perfect and and if and she says I can't do that. Well if you were to insist on that, that's a perfect example of ideology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where where you say here's the idea and I'll just put it in place of the reality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and be comforted. But I mean as as Hemingway said, and I won't be able to quote it directly here because this is public, uh, you know, the, the greatest BS detector is the human heart. <laughs> um, right? And so, so it's so cool how it's cool. It's just so moving how Zosimov, like, again, sort of gives space to reality. Same when he left the room. It's like, okay, no, no, your weeping is something deeper. You don't, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't correspond to what you're experiencing to just say there, there. Mm-hmm. And and he says that the weeping will 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 become a quiet joy, as he calls yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not it's not sort of a unproductive weeping, or it's not like a. It, he seems to be saying, like you're saying, it's not a denial of reality to weep. In fact, it's it is in some sense living in that reality and 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 embracing embracing what is which is moving you towards purification and joy. Yeah, which in the monastic tradition of of weeping, of holy tears, is exactly what it is. It's never a, um, it's never pure desolation or bitterness at sort of my own fallenness and sins. I mean, it has that, but it's always sweet and purifying because it's, it's the result of encountering his mercy. Um, so I've been, I, I've been recently, well, the last couple of years, I've been reading St. Isaac of Syria. Yeah. I had this little daily reader that fits in a, in a habit pocket easily. And as I read it, I'm like, wow, it's Dostoevsky through and through. And, 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 I, and I, was, I was reading, I forget what introduction to the book, but um, it, it's, he, he apparently was actually very influenced by St. Isaac of Syria. So you, so, huh. um, you see it through and through with Zosimov hmm. is this sort of you know, way of being in the world. Wow. Yeah, he, he uh, with that woman, at the end of it, he also says, uh, I will remember him, mother, and your grief in my prayers. I will pray for your husband's health, um, which is the definition of an elder, one who took your soul, your will, into his soul, his will. I mean, not, not in a formal relationship as he has with his monks, but he carries with him the pain and the suffering of this mother going forward. He commits to that. That's that's part of what he's giving to her as well as a not just wisdom, but carrying her life with him. Yeah, and 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 he says uh, on page fifty four, right near the end of chapter three. Here, um, he's talking to the woman who confesses what sounds like she murdered her husband. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and um, he says um, the last last thing he says to her it looks like uh, he says love is such a priceless treasure that you can redeem the whole world by it expiate not only your own sins but the sins of others that that's kind of going along with what you were saying brother Levin about how he takes the soul into himself and and it's really pointing back to that point you made Jager about the um, about Norris Clark and this understanding of, and really the understanding of beauty, right? That it's not just, we're not just individual realities that happen to be in conversation with each other at times, mm -hmm. but that there's a real sort of uh, like all of being is, a, is an abiding in the other um, to the point that you can say things which sound scandalous to the modern Western ears, um, that you can expiate the sins of others by your love. Like that sounds like what, but they did it, not you. Cause there's this drastic separation, which, which seems to be something that Zosima is um, sort of correcting. There's a corrective here that there is an abiding of others and maybe everyone, the whole world mm -hmm. in me, such that my love is, is a redemption of all of them and, and all of it, all of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It 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 um, makes the um, uh, the uh, when you're is it everyone takes on the the roles of uh, priest, prophet, king at at confirmation, baptism, baptism, both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> you don't teach theology. <laughs> I know we take them on. I know. I know we take them on. Yeah. Um, but so, in some sense, like to to be a Christian is to to live the life of Christ, which right. is to take on all sin, all the whole world, and and to um, out and in love through love to to redeem it. Right. So so I I think um, this this just is the life of Christ. And it, it therefore just is the life of the Christian. This is what it is to live the Christian life is to see the whole, take, take everyone's soul into your own uh, and to um, redeem it out of your, your suffering, your, your love. Yeah. Um, yeah. He says right above that, actually. Uh, so, so we were talking about how lying to yourself makes you incapable of loving um, here. When he talks to this woman who murdered her husband, he says, um, that God loves you with your sin. God loves you in your sin. And a little bit lower than that, he says, if you are penitent, you love. And if you love, you are of God. All things are atoned for. All things are saved by love. Um, so there's, there's this idea that lying to yourself makes you incapable of loving. Penitence for, for man who is, who is himself always, mm -hmm. in a sense, a redeemed sinner. Penitence is love. In yeah. some in some way yeah. is how so, he defines it. Yeah, and there, so this this woman is afraid to die, um, right? And and I think what Zosima is saying is you shouldn't be afraid to die because you love much, and that the re you love much because you you are deeply penitent, right? So so I think what he's saying is that that fear actually isn't really founded and, and in some sense what what's the real emotion that's going on here is penitence and you should not interpret that or understand that as a fear but mm -hmm. but as actual 
love. Uh, and so he's trying to like transfigure that, um, that emotion, it, it seems. Um, yeah, which, which carries to the next chapter with um, Madame Hoklikov, who also is afraid to die. Um, but, but she's, she's kind of a interesting piece of work. <laughs> yeah. He, 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 you know, deliberately juxtaposes their faith. Mm -hmm. Chapter three is peasant women who have faith. Chapter four is a lady of little faith. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, and she, I, she committed murder the first one. Right. <laughs> well, I, you know, this time around, I realized how significant that encounter is because I mean, the book is superficially about murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so the way in that moment, you know, it sort of resolves or, or help, shows you how to read the heart, which is going to be tormented for the next thousand pages. And, and the, I, I, I think I mentioned this to Jeremy, but this, this book, um, I think really should be read twice because it's such a long book. You kind of forget a lot. Um, but when you get to the middle chapters, when you get the life of Father Zosima, and then you go back to these conversations he's having here, with, especially with this woman, you realize what, what, is, what is Zosima thinking, so to speak, in this conversation in light of him knowing his own life and his own um, mm -hmm. struggles yeah. and what have you. I don't want to give anything away, but well, he says it's, it's about worth himself. jumping back and forth um, with, with this, the one, these encounters. And, the one sentence in that section that I, that I didn't read, right, right before what I first read about love and right after what I, what I read about penitence. He says, if I, a sinner, even as you are, am tender with you and have pity on you, how much more will God? Mm. Right? So there's, there's already this kind of recognition of his own sinfulness that he points to here as a sign of God's own love, right? Because look at me, look at how I'm treating you. Yeah. And I'm a loser. It's like, if I can forgive you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God's not a loser. His love's better than mine. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's something, something drastic about that, right? Yeah. In, in, in some sense, it's, in, it's the way that everybody learns about love, right? Because yeah. who are you loved by in a concrete way uh, that you see that you, you know, it's, it's the sinner around you. Right. Yeah. And so I think God's love is revealed in the love of the sinner for another. Can, can I share something? Go, can I go extra textual and share something from Zazamov? Always welcome. Yeah. Always the welcome. Prototype of Zazamov, St. Isaac of Syria. Yeah. He has this amazing thing on, on our weakness and God's help. So he says, blessed is the person who knows his own weakness because the awareness of this becomes for him the foundation and beginning of all that is good and beautiful. For whenever someone realizes and perceives that he is truly and indeed weak, then he draws in his soul from the diffuseness which dissipates knowledge. So it's a question of knowledge again. And he becomes all the more watchful of his soul. But no one can perceive his own weakness. This gets to what you were saying, Jager, when after you read the whole book, unless he has been remiss a, a little has neglected some small thing, has been surrounded by trials, either in the subject of things which cause the body suffering or in that of ways in which the soul is subject to passions. Only then by comparing his own weakness will he realize how great is the assistance which comes from God. Mm. Um, and then he, he goes on. But, oh, it, it ends with this amazing line. As long as the heart is not humbled, it cannot cease from wandering, for humility concentrates the heart. Mm. You know, and, and the more you spend time with Zazmov and, and 
his history, the more, and, and the more you realize that Dostoevsky is not creating a, a poster child, um, you know, rouged up saint picture, right? This but, is, but, but, even before, but he even is, now, right? Because that's, that's what he sees as the saint, is the penitent, right? Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I mean, a sort of, you know, ersatz sentimental saint. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But even now, if you're reading it for the first time, you can't help but be moved by him. There's something exceptional about him, even if you, you don't know explicitly the history. It's clear he he has this great tenderness mm-hmm. and this great sort of awareness of his, his own, you know, uh, smallness, kind of. Like he says at the beginning, before the meeting, like, who, who am I to be their judge, right? He, he, has, this, he has this perpetual smile, this sort of, uh, you know, this is he's aware of kind of the ridiculous of the human human condition because he knows himself. Yeah. And it, it, it's amazing. So every transition from one peasant to another, to another, he always leaves and it's, it makes a comment about him either smiling or being cheerful yeah. or I, I, I made deliberate note of the number of times Dostoevsky said things like he spoke softly. He was cheerful. He, you know, smiled. smiled yeah. um, I mean, it, it's, certainly um, deliberate that he wants Zosima to come off as um, um, not, not a judge of another, um, yeah. right? But a, but a sort of a, a welcoming taking in, even of like the worst sinner, it doesn't matter. Um, so going into chapter four, what, what do you guys think is, is the is the difference. Why do the peasant women have faith and why does she, is she called a person of little faith, the lady who comes? Because he wants us to compare that. He wants us to look at uh-huh. okay, the essential difference in their attitude. Um, well, so she, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know, but I, I thought it was interesting that she said um, she lacked faith in God and, or Zosima says, you, you lack faith in God. And she says, oh, no, no, this is the bottom of page 57 of this. It's, um, I don't know, maybe about two or so pages in. Oh, no, no, I dare not even think of that. But in the future life, it is such an enigma and no one can solve it. And she kind of goes on to talk about how she's worried that when she dies, there's all that is going to be just, you know, flowers growing on her grave and what have you which is like the dust asking question yeah and and so she she says oh no i have perfect faith in god but i'm i'm actually worried about what's going to happen to me when i die and i think that's just that's just the most tolens (laughs) (laughs) you you like you you have complete faith and love but yet like you don't um you don't really have faith and love because i think what what's with the peasants is that they they are confident by the love that they have for say their, their dead children or what have you, that there's something, there's something more going on here. So it's sort of in, in this real love, something is revealed beyond death. And this lady says, Oh no, I love the people. I love the peasants. Um, and, and I have good faith in God. I just don't know if there's anything beyond this. Um, (laughs) so I think it's, it's, you know, you'll, you'll know, you'll know a tree by its fruits. Um, and it's sort of fear of death seems to be this indicator of a, uh, a lack of love. At least that's the way I was, I, I was thinking. Of yeah. It. 
No, and 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 the sort of the the moniker she is given is she's a sentimental lady, right? Right from the beginning. I'm trying to find it. But yeah, she was a sentimental yeah. lady, society lady of genuinely good decision in many respects, and so she she it's another moment of. of of a very clear example of ideology, right? Where it, it goes on. I mean, it, it, it's like, it's exactly, that's exactly it, brother. I love the people myself. I want to love them. And who could help loving them and their splendid, the splendid Russian people, so simple in their greatness. And, and like, yeah. she, she, like, she knows that this is like the, 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 the good thing to do is to love the simple people like Zosima, but she just doesn't really uh, love them because. Well, because she loves her, she doesn't, she loves her own image of the people. Uh -oh. They're a simple, generous people, right? People, they're these wonderful, and these kind of grand, you know, uh, descriptions. Um, but they're just whatever that person's idea is. But Zazimov just counseled someone who killed her husband for crying out loud, right? He's, he's <laughs> <in effect. laughs> and he received that, right? Right. So she she um, she has this great sentimentality, and I love the the phrase. It's it's where is it? Where she's like, I would love to give myself, you know, basically as a sister of mercy, and and yeah. and, and it will be wonderful. But I'm just afraid people wouldn't like be grateful enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And where is that? Because it's one of the great lines in the book where he says, it's basically, it's one thing to love humanity and it's another thing to love yeah. humans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's quoting someone. But I wonder at myself, the more I love humanity in general, the less I love man in particular. Is that? Oh, is that, is that later? That, uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, that's, that's what she's saying. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm trying to, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, he's quoting a doctor. I love humanity, but I wonder at myself the more I love humanity. I just caught you. It's up that way. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, the doctor says he's incapable of living in the same room with anyone for two days together. <laughs> yeah, and I, later on, one of the lines that I remember from this book from reading it 13 years ago is Ivan says you should, you should, you should love humanity with a newspaper in front of you. Like, or, or beggars should ask for money with a newspaper in front of them. Because getting too close is just, yeah. it, it, it destroys the charity. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same idea that when you, when you come up against a particular, it's unlovable. Yeah. Um, this is like, have you guys read um, Infinite Jest, the David Foster Wallace novel? Uh -uh. Um, there's this amazing moment. There's a character who, who's this sort of like deformed cripple. He's very very good natured. And he does this thing where he stands outside the subway and he, and he just holds his hand out. Um, oh no. What is it? Maybe he just, no, maybe he just shakes people's hands and he just says hello. And he's, and he's clearly this, like, he looks like a beggar and he looks, he looks atrocious and everything. And, and he said, people would want to give me money, but they wouldn't touch my hand. Uh -huh. You know, and and he, and he said all they want, and basically it's this moment of like, what what was desired is this transaction of like, I feel good now, I've done the thing, but don't make me look at you, don't don't make me touch you in your ugliness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think she's she's uh, touching on that, and so that's why Zosimov says, okay, there's one way um, you can be convinced of of uh, love, basically, 
is active love by the experience. Well, no, no, by the experience of active love. Yeah. Strive to love your neighbor actively and in in Oh gosh. I know that word. Indefatigably. I can't say it. And as far as you advance in love, you will grow sure of the reality of God and of the immortality of your soul. Right? So again, this question, it's the immortality of the soul is the question of God. And, yeah. and God is the question of immortality of the soul. Um, if you attain to perfect self-forgetfulness in the love of your neighbor, then you will believe without a doubt. And no doubt can possibly enter your soul. This has been tried. This is, is certain. Right? So, so this is sort of his solution to the question of, of death and, and a love that's greater than death is you have to experience active love. Yeah. Yeah. An active love um, has to happen between particulars. Uh, right. So like you can't, you can't love the abstract neighbor. Um, so, so I think um, this is uh, highlighting once again the, the importance of being able to see um, in, the, in the world, in the, the, the fleshy, uh, something, something more. Um, not, not like forget, the, forget what's before me and look to something beyond, but this is why I think the, the, the image um, of the bow is so important throughout this, this, this book. Um, it's sort of a, a recognition of the incarnation and, and sort of seeing meaning in, in the earth rather than like, we need to look to something abstract, look to something beyond an ideal. Um, and that's what we bow to. Um, but if yeah. we truly are Christians and believe in the incarnation, it's, it's actually um, uh, the, the ideal has been made incarnate. Um, and so you bow to it before you. Um, so I, 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 I think this is um, just brought out so clear here that she's actually turning away from love to try to um, arrive at, like, like real love to arrive at immortality or an understanding of immortality. And that's just not a possibility. And you see Zaslav doing this with her, right? It, it's, it's, he doesn't brush her off. He, he, I mean, she's kind of this, I mean, it takes a saint to endure a conversation like this, right? <laughs> but, but he says, D uh, don't distress yourself about my opinion of you. I quite believe in the sincerity of your suffering, right? So he starts from what's real, not, not just her sentimentalities. It's like, no, no, you, you are suffering. I believe that. Um, so I thought that was, you see sort of his, his way of always embracing the person in front of them. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it really gets his, uh, his explanation to her at the end, I think is really helpful. And it gets right to this point of incarnationality. Uh, two pages later on, on our page uh, 60, he says, I can say nothing more consoling to you for love and action is harsh and dreadful thing compared with love and dreams. Yeah. Love and dreams is greedy for immediate action, rapidly performed and in the sight of all. Men will give even their lives if only the ordeal does not last long, but is soon over with all looking on and applauding as though on the stage. But active love is labor and fortitude, and for some people too, perhaps a complete science. But I predict that just when you see with horror that in spite of all your efforts, you're getting further away from your goal instead of nearer to it, at that very moment, I predict that you will reach it. 
And behold, clearly the miraculous power of the Lord, who has been all the time loving and mysteriously guiding. I, I think that that last line, especially this great contrast between love of dreams, love and dreams, and love in action, but then this idea of and and this is all right after he's he's hitting her hard with this knowing yourself thing and never lying to yourself. That when you recognize that you're failing and that you're getting further from the goal instead of near to it, it's then that you actually attain it, right? Because and it could, maybe it goes back to what you were saying. Um, your quote from Isaac the Syrian is that who it was? Yeah, um, Saint Isaac the Syrian. Yeah, and and his uh, his explanation of your, knowing your weakness, right? It's it's when you recognize and admit to yourself your failure, which which he kind of draws out of her throughout go, this, right? So go like two or three lines above or sentences above where you just read. This is this is apparently a great Zosomanian theme. Zosomanian. <laughs> 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 yeah. Above all, avoid falsehood, every kind of falsehood, especially falseness to yourself. Watch over your own deceitfulness. And look into it every hour, every minute, right? I mean, once again, it's it's the exact same thing that she or that that he said to Theodore. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. like, how do I attain eternal life? This is the exact same prescription. Right? This is it's it's about um, being true. This sounds so hippie. <laughs> being true to yourself. <laughs> Isn't that, isn't that what Polonius says to Laertes as he's going off to college or something? <laughs> but it's supposed to be a farce, right? And he's like, be true to, to thine own self, be true, right? But it's supposed to be a joke because he's like such a conniving loser. Um, but no, but even, even a stop clock is right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> and I think partly, you know, that's Pilastrowski really puts that in front of us is that, you know, a, a buffoon, a murderer, you know, all these different people can be uh instruments of revealing the truth to us mm -hmm. you know um i so this is my third time reading this book and i'll tell you the first two times with this conversation or conversation performance by by fyodor i just cringed i'm like i know it's supposed to be funny but like it's this is crazy yeah uh, but this time around i was just brother Levin and i were just talking about this i was laughing i mean it's just it's yeah. hilarious and ridiculous and so I've, I've slowly, you know, as I've read it, I've slowly moved from like the Alyosha, like this is a disaster, to like the curiosity of Zazamov, and, and like there's something going on here. And can can I make a, a comment? I'm going to something up to um to 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 have you guys talk about, it, especially the, the the brothers here. Uh, this is on this is in the old buffoon. This is going back a little bit to the old buffoon chapter. It's um, I don't know, maybe two, two, three pages in or so. Um, I'll just read it and maybe you can find it contextually. Sure. What was taking place in the cell was really incredible. <laughs> For 40 or 50 years past, from the times of former elders, no visitors had entered that cell without feelings of the profoundest veneration. Almost everyone admitted to the cell felt that a great favor was being shown him. Many remained kneeling during the whole visit. Of those visitors, many had been men of high rank and learning, some even free thinkers, attracted by curiosity, but all without exception had shown the profoundest reverence and delicacy. For here, there was no question of money, but only 
on the one side, love and kindness, and on the other, penitence and eager desire to decide some spiritual problem or crisis. And, and I, I think this is, this is um, a really interesting um, sort of commentary on the buffoonery that's happening. Like Dostoevsky is maybe highlighting something significant is going on in the monastery, which has never before happened. Uh, so I, 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 I get the impression that this, this has more to do with um, what, what does it mean to, to be a, a reverential place or thing in the world. And it looks like there's, there's, there's nothing of, of reverence for these people here. Mm-hmm. Even, even the free thinkers of old would have found this to be a great place to be. Um, so I don't know, any, any thoughts as to um, what, what, this, um, what this passage sort of means, uh, either in the context of the book or in the context of, of maybe modernity? I think one thing it does, the whole, uh, is, well, it again sets up a contrast, right? So it's interesting in these chapters that he's asking us to make comparisons. Little faith, no faith. People coming in to with, with, a, with a reverence for the elder, people who are obviously not. And, I, you know, any comparison, right, asks you to find the difference, right? So I, I think this goes back to the question at the beginning of the book is um, what is in the whole book is what is faith, and then and what is and 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 miracles don't come. Uh, does faith come from miracles, or do miracles come from faith? Mm-hmm. Right. So this he's showing us there's a huge contrast here, and so this is and so we're given a moment to see okay. Is, is will this envelop sort of the holiness, the thing that makes the difference, or is it going to help it uh, make it clear what is it that's exceptional about Zazama? What is it that's exceptional about his way of looking at at reality, um, which is the beginning of faith to recognize that and follow that. Um, so I think I think it gives us a moment to sort of enter into. Uh, like uh, uh, everything is stripped away. There's not going to be, uh, there won't be any common agreement on what makes the difference, right? There, there won't be, uh, there'll be even ridicule as far as, you know, the, the, the ways we talk about it. Um, and, and, and so it, it highlights that like Zazimov is not um, just a product of a sort of monastic environment, so to speak, right? So it's not just a sentimental thing. Um, and, and it's also not, uh, it's not a product of, of sort of ecclesial power, so to speak. It's not, that, it's not a sort of cynical proposition that like, you're here, you did things on my terms, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you what to do and you should reverence me. So I think he's, he's saying, look, it's neither sentimentality nor cynicism that makes the difference. So what is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also, yeah, just uh, Brother Angelus, the way you put it about Dostoevsky setting up comparisons, I think that's, that's dead on. 
you, you, what remains the same, you know, in both settings with the people who hyperbolically reverence Zosima in some ways, um, and the people who make a complete mockery of him, in both scenes, he has the same compassionate, gentle love. It's not a show. It, 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 it perdures in different contexts, vastly different contexts. Mm -hmm. And then his teaching, as we've already pointed out, is, is remarkably similar. He says to um, Fyodor, don't be ashamed. And that's, that's another way of, or links up with don't be, don't be afraid, which is what he says to a couple of the peasants. And he also tells them not to be false to one another. Um, so the solidity and, and stability of Zosimo's um, gentle, holy, exceptional character, I think, I think is also on display in both those scenes. And again, if you want to take what is the exact opposite of, of hyperbolic reverence for him, it would be what you know, Fyodor and Yasava are doing um, in mocking him and making a mockery of, of his, of his um, invitation as hosting them. And I think too, like the question of, of uh, modernity, I mean, the, there's, there's nothing, uh, as far as sort of the free thinkers and, and other people who come, I don't think um, there you see anything to specifically hyperbolic other than they recognize there's something kind of amazing about this person. So, so there's like a good reverence. No one would say that'd be a, a bad thing or a reverence of the monks show for him or Alyosha. Um, but we can't take any of that for granted anymore, right? To who, who says some, someone later, you know, in here says like in the age of rail of steamships and railroads, like yeah. none of this matters. Mm -hmm. um, which is is a funny thing to say, but it's also like yeah, that's where we that's where we are. Mm -hmm. Is is mm -hmm. none of the churches, um, none of what we say, none of none of what the truth of what the church is and the presence of Christ on earth is can be taken for granted anymore mm -hmm. right it's all it's all back to it, it, it it's 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 the signs don't signify anymore mm -hmm. right so the bow doesn't it, it, it we don't understand the meaning of that unless we've had an experience of it like him and some of his monks but um but for pretty much for the world it doesn't mean anything anymore and and it's all viewed through this lens of cynicism and money and power and so, like, to reinforce, to say, okay, no, we're going to do more pomp and circumstance, it wouldn't help, right? So this is the position of the church of modernity, so you have to start at the heart again. You, you can't assume, you have to rediscover the meaning of the signs. Um, yeah, because the hope, the, the one hope that can never be, uh, that man could never, like, lose the sight of, in some sense, I'm thinking of Schindler's book that we read, Jager, for your class, where he says, even the most flesh-bound eyes, there's still hope um, to see beauty. And, and I think the one thing that, the one hope is that, and, and this is what I think maybe Dostoevsky's whole point in the character of Zosima is, is that the one hope is love. That that's not a, it's not an iconic thing that could be like unseen, perhaps. Like, yeah. like, like the bow, yes, it's, it's all show. The habits all show, like you can think that, um, but to see someone who loves, it's it's impossible to deny that, and and it's kind of like what Zosima says to um, the Lady of Little Faith about how uh, there's no proof, there's no proof, uh, 
there is no proving it, meaning uh, the future life, though you can be convinced of it by the experience of active love. And, and I wonder if uh, the experience of active love is the ultimate, in a sense, I, I don't want to use this word, I'm putting quotes around it, argument for the reality uh, that's beyond the mere materialist. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, Andy, I, I, so I, I was, I, I mean, the way I was thinking, I was kind of thinking about this in terms of, um, um, for, for these people, uh, the question of God isn't even a question, mm -hmm. uh, so that it's, it's not, there's no point of even asking the question about does God exist? Does immortality exist? And later on, you'll get, you'll get the, the Yvonne bringing up the, you know, without God, everything's permissible. Um, so there's really no goodness. Um, whereas even before, in the free thinkers, and even in some broad sense, the, the atheists of old still believed in something like a, like an uber God, if you wanted to put it that way. They still believed in a truth or wisdom, uh, something to commit one's life to. Uh, and, and the free thinker was sort of journeying through life, trying to figure out what to commit their life to um and and that seems to be just completely gone here this is all that we have is like buffoonery um there there aren't any real questions or any real like searching for anything it's just so i i i was kind of thinking this is um you know i mean you, you get you get the the contrast um i think that's that's i think you're right that's definitely on the table but it's kind of the contrast of a seeking or the contrast of just like a nothingness, like a, all there is is buffoonery and therefore it's just complete, complete lying to oneself. Um, there's just, there is no truth. It's just lies. Um, so I don't know. I, I was thinking that this is, this is a um, ties up with this theme that's going to kind of play out with what, what does life look like without God? That's without love. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there is a, another contrast that, as you were talking, where you were saying, made me think of the, the, the chapter title, right? The old buffoon um, is the idea of buffoonery is sort of like jesting for the sake of joy and happiness and, sure. and, and uh, having, having happiness at the expense of the world, which is meaningless anyway. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, real happiness Zosima is 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 sort of the contrast of that, right? So Fyodor is the buffoon who's trying to make jokes of everything, um, but not really laughing, and, and nobody's really happy. But he, as he says to the lady of little faith here, Madam, what's her face? Uh, Pop, 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 Pop. <laughs> he says, uh, page fifty-seven, right? Um, as as she's kind of talking about, uh, she talks to him. She says, "I thought you were sick. You look so well, so gay and happy." He says, I'm extraordinarily better today, but I know that it's only for a moment. I understand my disease now thoroughly. If I seem so happy to you, you could never say anything that would please me so much. For men are made for happiness. And anyone who is completely happy has a right to say to himself, I am doing God's will on earth. All the righteous, all the saints, all the holy martyrs were happy. That, I, I think there's a contrast there that I didn't see before that a true happiness happens in the midst of love, which is demonstrated by his own tenderness, 
his own smiling, his own cheerfulness. Um, and it's the opposite of kind of what Fyodor is doing in his buffoonery, which is, which is to make a joke of all things. But making a joke of all things actually does not bring mirth right. um, yeah. like, like, like is intended. Any uh, final oh, thoughts? Parting thoughts. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for the invitation. First of all, I've really enjoyed being part of this um, and listening to what you guys have had to say. Um, yeah, just want to keep keep reading along with you. Keep plowing. Keep it up. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll um, after another. 500 emails, we'll figure out another time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that Friday though, right? Friday. Friday at three? Friday at three. Okay. Friday. When this will be posted, I don't know, but Friday yeah, at three is Friday when we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to finish up chapter uh, or book two, right? Um, but um, by Sunday, where are we reading through? Oh, um, I have it right here. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, read through three, book three, chapter three by Sunday for all of you out there in internet land. Um, out in the void. Yeah, out in the void that are uh, trying to live live authentically this summer. Uh, we're going to read through uh, chapter three, three of three. book three, right? Three. Uh, our next podcast will probably only get up to the uh, end of book two. So if you see the next podcast and you haven't read book three yet, don't worry. We're not going to talk about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> listen away so all right all right well thanks again brothers yeah thanks okay. for zooming zooming up i was gonna say coming but it's not coming it's zooming yeah. <laughs> all right see you later <laughs>